3: my mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends just try to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We waited nearly all day for the president of the United States to take a tough stand on China, given their aggressive moves against Hong Kong, figuring there would be something extremely bellicose that would send an already sagging market even lower into the weekend. But when President Trump spoke, he was so measured that the market was able to make a comeback. Dow ultimately dipping just 18 points, S&P advancing 0.48 percent, Nasdaq surging 1.29 percent, sell in May and be an idiot. So let's understand our idea of measured response is not, though. It's not China's idea of a measured response. I think they're going to see this as a real provocation, and they'll feel compelled to respond. Which brings us to the game plan for next week. Monday's all about retaliation from China. At this point, we all know this story goes, right? It always is tit for tat. Every time President Trump lands a blow, it's met with a counter blow. So we have to presume China escalates things. If only just to show that they understand the end game, which seems like containment or isolation. Except this time, maybe we're the ones being contained. For decades, we refused to recognize the People's Republic of China, and our government treated them like an outlaw or the outlaw that they were. Then President Nixon, a vicious red baiter in the 50s, went to China, started the long process of normalizing relations with the PRC. But what started as a mutually beneficial trading partnership quickly became something a lot more uneven. China has real estate involvement in its economy, and they've targeted industry after industry here in our country, crushing our working people, making us depend on on them in all sorts of critical ways that we didn't even know about. And that's why President Trump started cracking down on China. I think it made a ton of sense to take a hard line back when we had extraordinarily low unemployment, booming economy, no inflation. That was the perfect time to wage a trade war. And uh, by the end of last year, he'd extracted some meaningful and necessary concessions that I liked. But then the pandemic struck, and fairly or unfairly, the administration blames the Chinese government for letting it get out of hand in the first place. Suddenly, the White House is back on the warpath, trying to roll back everything since Nixon's open-door policy. I got to tell you, it's bad time for an escalation of the trade war. I am no fan of the Chinese Communist Party, an authoritarian regime with a horrible human rights re- track record, a long history of corrupt trade practices, stealing our jobs, taking advantage of us. But I am a fan of America having a strong economy, plentiful job creation, strong stock market. Right now, our economy is struggling, and any kind of retaliation from China will make it even more difficult for us to recover. We don't need to have one problem at a time. We'll get them. Get them later when we're stronger. Not, not when we are facing an incredibly serious recession, if not an outright depression, if we're not careful. And that's why I think you need to weight your portfolio toward recession-resistant stocks like healthcare, the consumer packaged goods place, and the technology companies that help other businesses adjust to the post-corona environment. Companies like Zoom Video which reports on Tuesday after the close. Tell me you don't know about that symbol. We all know it now, right? Upper left-hand column, right there. Boom, we're Zooming. Out of nowhere, Zoom's become a household name. It's become a verb. It's become everything. 300 million users, client-based, it seems to grow like a wildfire every day. The stock's been a rocket ship, and CEO Eric Yuan is a rock star. That said, the expectations going into the quarter are pretty high. Competition from Cisco's WebEx, uh, RingCentral, how can I help you? Microsoft and Alphabet's always breathing down their neck. Still, you should think of Zoom as a market cap story, not an earning story. With that rapidly growing user base soon to be improved by 5G, I'm betting this company is worth far more than the current $50 billion valuation. Far more. Now, we also hear from CrowdStrike. It's a phenomenally fast-growing cybersecurity company. I expect them to report a mind-blowing quarter like the one we just got from Palo Alto, from Okta. That's a Kramer family fave. And Zscaler. More on that later in the show. These cybersecurity plays are all part of the work-from-home trend, and they've had incredible moves. So why should CrowdStrike be any different? Buy. How about the stockpile trade? Did the hoarding phase of the pandemic finally come to an end We're going to find out from Campbell's Soup on Wednesday morning. The last quarter was spectacular, the best in years, and that only had a couple of weeks of of the uh, pandemic. Some think that Campbell's merely a ride in a wave. I say this new CEO, Mark Klaus, he's changed things up with better product, much better execution. Best that I've ever seen this company run in my lifetime. That's why I think Campbell's Soup, CPB, Campbell's Pork and Beans, it's a symbol, is a buy, especially with the health crisis morphing into an economic crisis, classic recession stock. Now, we hear from another pantry play on Thursday, J.M. Smucker. For a while, Smucker struggled as it digested a new portfolio of powerhouse brands. Not anymore. Sure, it's a catch-all agglomeration of coffee and dog food, peanut butter, jams. But the line extensions are working. More importantly, a weak economy is a fantastic backdrop for smucker's stock. As a way for China's inevitable retaliation, we're going to get results from uh, one of their companies. One of the companies I'm worried is in the crosshairs. Great company, Brocom, symbol ABGO. Uh, this is a semiconductor play that's branched out into software, and it's got a ton of Chinese exposure. So Brocom's a canny operator that managed to hock tan, you know, support that, guys, to withstand all sorts of headwinds and has a long track record of rewarding its faithful investors, including my travel trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionLewishPlus.com club. The stock's also got a, a boost from uh, Brocom's powerful dividend, currently yields 4.5%. That said, I don't know, the stock's at such a run, and we got this China stuff. Maybe you wait until after reports it because it's run up so much. Now, we know the retailers have had some amazing runs off the low. Let me just turn my back for a second here. And um, the one that I think is the most uh, exposed is Gap. That went from $5, where it bottomed, and it doubled to 10 in, to ch- in change earlier this week before pulling back to $9 today. This one might seem like a tempting value play, but that would be a mistake. Look what happened to the people who tried to bottom fish in Nordstrom. They got their bell rung! <laughs> Cover reported some dismal numbers last night. Stock got plum- plummeted 11% today. Hard pass. The work-from-home stocks were hot again, and we hear from two more of them on Thursday that I like very much, Slack and DocuSign. Slack makes it easy to coordinate work documents, but the stock has still had a ton of skeptics because it competes with Microsoft. Right now, Slack's got the edge of so it. They probably invented this business. I bet its stock can rally after the quarter. As for DocuSign, this is a company that's tailor-made for the current moment. DocuSign software lets you sign official documents remotely. No handshake, no schmoozing, no COVID. I recently bought a property using the platform. I thought it was just the beginning of the buying process. It turned out it was the end. I got the deed. Boom. Finally, on Friday, we have to deal with one of the most hideous numbers you're ever going to see. It's one that I think the people in America will not be be able to handle, frankly. It's the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report from May. We all know we've seen some gigantic job losses because of the pandemic, but I bet these numbers will come as a shock to investors who still believe we're merely going through a speed bump on the way to a V-shaped recovery. I believe the unemployment number will throw cold water all over the V-thesis, if not drown it entirely, which brings me to the bottom line. Without a second round of stimulus from Congress, you need to stick with the safety first trade, the recession stocks, the stay-at-home winners that crushed it today. But with the new trade war with China heating up, you might want to leave a little room to buy more of the recession-proof and cost-saving technology companies on the way down. Let's start with Kyle in California. Kyle.
1: Booyah, Jimmy Thanks for taking my call. My, my pleasure. i about ticker symbol VTIQ and the coming merger next week with Nikola Motors. Curious what your thoughts are on that as a spec player. That's Gursky's company.
3: Around. That's Gersky's company. It's a blank check company. Uh, Yeah, Stephen Gursky's brilliant. Uh, You know, I typically don't like to recommend these kinds of things, but I want to bet on Gursky. I bet you he won't let us down. I remember when I was a hedge fund manager. Okay, let's go to uh, Brian in Wisconsin. Brian.
1: Hi, Jim. Greetings from Greenfield, Wisconsin. Awesome show. Jim, I had a question for you. Uh, I I wanted to know get your current thoughts on Marathon Oil, symbol MRO. I purchased uh, my current positions in, in March and April. And wanted to get your
4: thoughts uh, for MRO and that. Well, you did. You bought it that at that the right mark. time.
3: You bought at the right time, but I cannot recommend Mar- Marathon. I don't like their balance sheet. I'm going to give you a for. I don't like Occidental's balance sheet either. Uh, the only oils I like, let's repeat them. I like Parsley. I like Pioneer. I like EOG. And I like Chevron, which I used to call Chevron for no particular reason. Let's go to by oh, Pioneer, of course. Let's go to Stan in Texas. Stan.
1: Yeah. Hi, Jim. Listen, uh, I want to tell you, I enjoy watching you on Squawk Box, too. Oh, thank you. That's a good program.
3: Yeah, it is good. It's fun.
1: (laughs) I'm interested in understanding how the insurance industry will be affected by COVID and global economic downturn. When you mentioned financials, can you clarify if the insurance industry fits in that category? All right, here's what you have to do.
3: you have to go listen hey, to my interview with Evan Greenberg, who's the CEO of Chubb, where we went into this really, really in-depth, and that's, I'm sure, available in the archives on cbc.com. Uh, on cbc.com. Um, we'll tweet it out. And what we're, gonna, what we're doing is we'll tweet it out. Let's go to Dan in North Carolina. Dan.
1: Hey, Jim. How you doing? All right.
3: Well, it's a good day. And video's up 15. My dog's doing well. What's going on? <laughs>
1: Uh, my question is about BHF or Bright House Financial. I can't really? seem to figure out where the value or what's going on with that stock. It's got a, um, you know, 17.3 uh, billion book value and the stock's trading with a market cap of 2.9 billion. There seems to be a huge disconnect there.
3: Yeah, but what In does that time- tell us? Dan, what does that tell us? Now we can do, we can go over it and over and over. But my feeling since this one came public is, I, you know, this and everything in its ilk right now is under tremendous pressure. I got stocks with tremendous growth doing fantastic things. Why do I need to go into this and find myself into some sort of swamp? I'm not a swamp fox. All right, stick with the safety first trade for now. We like the consumer packaged goods. Uh, let me just you know go here this and we like this. Okay, uh, those are good. Uh, and we also like the uh, health cares and we like the technology stocks to save companies money, okay, because that's what you have to do when you're faced with a trade war. Now, on Mad Money tonight, get this, we have Z-Scale. I mean, like, how can I help you? It's closed up nearly 30% today. We talked to the CEO fresh off of Ernie's, top brass. Then Salesforce and Costco were greeted with derision and a cascade of selling from the flock of disappointed souls. I'm going to tell you why I'm going the other way. And Marathon Partners, not Marathon Oil, but Marathon Partners just announced it's was launching a proxy fight with ELF Beauty. I'm going to sit down with the CEO of the cosmetics company find out how it's positioning itself after its support. So stay
4: with...
3: I spent all week telling you not to abandon that shelter in place technology stocks that I think i like so much. And today we saw why. Uh, last night, we got results from Zscaler. That's the cloud based security software play. That's a member of the Kramer COVID index because it provides exactly the kind of cybersecurity you need when millions of people are forced to work from home. As much as I've loved this stock from the day I met these guys, I didn't realize how incredible the numbers could be. Zscaler shot the lights out with far better than expected numbers. Terrific guidance sent the stock surging. Forget this. $22, or nearly 30% today. It wasn't a takeover. It was the earnings. And that's just the latest leg of a much larger rally. We last checked in with management March 19th when Zscaler was traded at 52, and we told you we loved it. It's now 98. So how are they doing so Well, Let's dig deeper with Jay Chaudhry. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Zscaler. Find out more about this amazing quarter, his company's prospects. Mr. Chaudhry, welcome back to Mad Money, and congratulations on just an amazing quarter.
5: Jim, thank you so much. appreciate the opportunity.
3: Now, Jay, when you were on in March, things were looking good, but we didn't know exactly, unfortunately, how bad things would get in the country. But you were ready. It seems like it was almost as if Zscaler, frankly, is made for this moment.
5: Yes, indeed, from day one, our vision was, so any employee should be able to work from anywhere and application could be anywhere. So enabling secure work from anywhere was a natural thing for us. And as our customers start to call us because the shutdowns start to happen, first in China, then in Korea, Italy, rest of Europe, we were prepared. And it gives us a lot of gratification and satisfaction that we were able to play a big role in keep the economy going because economy requires people to be able to work from home.
3: Well, I I think there isn't a day that goes by that someone discovers that they need you. Uh, The Defense Department, just this very morning, I didn't think it would get any better. And this morning you had an amazing release. I know it propelled some of the stock, but you should tell us that could be a very big contract, correct?
5: Indeed. So with federal government and U.S. government, we have been working for two plus years. They required some serious certification. We went through FedRAM certifications. That was good for civilian agencies. Defense Department has far more stringent requirements. So DIU, which is Defense Innovative Innovation Unit of DOD, essentially gave us the initial order. And that, once validated, gives us license to sell to any defense organization in the U.S. A big opportunity, we're excited about it. And will be playing a role to protect our country, our national security. Now, it does
3: seem like that this is happening very fast, that we didn't, that this pandemic, uh, sadly, the, of course, the pandemic, but it's moved technology uh, to where you are and to the cloud. Uh, it's at a pace that I thought would take about two to, two to three years. It's happening in two to three months. How is that possible?
5: That's correct, Jim. I wrote a blog in December that said, as market moves to 5G, Everyone will have to work from home, from wherever they are, because you won't need traditional networks. And COVID made it happen very quickly. The biggest thing COVID has done is accelerated digital transformation. With that, applications all need to be in the cloud that can be accessed from anywhere, and we become a natural enabler of that to provide secure and fast access. So we are helping lots of customers. When Siemens called us and said, 300,000 employees need to start working on Monday at a few days' notice. We were the only company that could do that. When Marsh McLaren, big insurance company, needed the 30,000 employees to work overnight. Our, our platform was the one that got them up and running. So very excited about the opportunity and being able to help all these customers. Our employees have been busy scaling the cloud and handling the customer traffic.
3: When I hear those kinds of names, and Siemens, I I know in America people don't realize that this is just a gigantic company. What it says to me is, you may think we're all going to go back to the office once this thing ends. I listen to you and I say, you are at your office. And if you can have choice, like my friend uh, Palo Alto Networks was saying the other day, uh, look, it's going to be choice. It's going to end up being that you're going to be able to say, I want to be at home today. And my office is exactly the same as my office at the, at, at, at the big central tower, correct?
5: That, that is very true. Now, everyone agrees that there'll be choice, but I think corporate America or the world across the whole world has to get ready for it. The infrastructure is still old. They still depend on network. They still depend on legacy security appliances right. that are holding them back. And what we are helping is help them get to the new world, Because we reinvented security, so you don't have to buy and deploy any of the legacy security software, and that's what attracting tons of customers to us. We are approaching about 500 of the largest global 2,000 companies who depend upon us for their digital transformation, and and it's a great opportunity for us.
3: Now, uh, you know, Nikesh Arora was on Palo Alto, where we are close with CrowdStrike, uh, Zscaler too. two. So I wonder, is there enough room for everybody?
5: It's a big market, but the winners will be companies who are built for the cloud. CrowdStrike was built for the cloud. Okta was built for the cloud. Uh, my dream from day one has been to be the sales force of cloud security. Right. Salesforce reinvented how you sell to customers. Workday, started from scratch, ServiceNow. Those are the type of companies, they, they change the way SaaS got done. We're changing the way security is getting done. And, and while there's room, I think overall, the old technology will wither away over time, unless they reinvent. You can't change the architecture. I think you and I talked last time, you may be the best company building DVD players, But when it comes to building streaming, Blockbuster Blockbuster may be big, but Blockbuster couldn't really do what Netflix did. So that's the same kind of stuff we are doing.
3: You've got the winners, Zscaler. I I didn't even get to talk to Todd McKinnon today from Okta. What a quarter he had. But, Jay, congratulations. I mean, when I saw it, I said, I need Jay on. This was the best number of the quarter. Jay Chaudhry, Zscaler, founder, chairman, and CEO. Thank you so much, sir, for being on Mad Money.
5: And thank you very
4: much. All right, we're back to the break. Monday kick off the trading day was squawk on the street. Live from Post Nine at the NYSE. You're a Knicks fan.
6: Understood. Understood. You have no hope. You may not have hope for years. But thank you for that. Real, uh, you know, I appreciate. I just that, like to give all you a heads up, Dave. You know, Dave. Dave. Oh, Dave, me too. Not only did he insult all my teams, but he and Dave,
0: great.
6: Okay.
4: Yeah. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how VivGart, FGart Tigamod, Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenix.
2: You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
3: Sometimes the numbers are so obviously great, you can just keep paying up and but paying pay up I and paying pay up, I'm and that's what you're seeing with Zscaler, where the company knocked it out of the park, and the stock pole up nearly thirty percent today. Same thing happened yesterday with Dollar Tree; they're doing so well, the Chase, and the stock actually makes sense. And I don't like the Chase, but then there are other quarters that are a lot less straightforward. Those are the real opportunities. We're always on the hunt for situations where the market makes mistakes and sends stocks down incorrectly. Because that's how you get bargains. Sell, 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 sell. And that's how I feel about the reaction to the latest results from Salesforce.com, the king of the cloud, and from Costco, the second largest retailer in the world. Both of these quarters were greeted with derision and disappointment, causing a cascade of selling, although it, it did dry up with the latest round. rally. Now, I think the sellers just don't get it. They don't understand what could happen versus what did happen, and they're certainly not considering what will happen given the track record of these incredibly run companies. Salesforce is the most opaque because while the headline numbers were excellent, the forecast was genuinely worse than expected, with management cutting their full year guidance, creating the dreaded cuts forecast headline. No stock withstand that header, so it makes sense that Salesforce got pummeled. At one point, it was down about nine points, finished down 3.5%. But here's what the sellers are missing. I've been following this one for a long time, and I can remember another time when Salesforce cut its forecast during a lousy economy in 2008. And now I was completely mystified. The company practically invented the cloud. It was supposed to have a multi year runway. How the heck could they just drop the ball like that? Back then, founder and CEO Mark Benioff took me aside to explain that when you have a crisis in the broader economy, you need to show forbearance. Take your competitors head on convince potential clients that they have no choice but to migrate to the cloud immediately to save money. The idea being that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And if they want to take advantage of the opportunity that it is presented to them, they needed to get a little more promotional. Sure enough, that's exactly how things played out. Benioff grabs some of the biggest clients out there, obliterating his competition, the old school on-premises software space. And that's how a $6 stock where it was when I was disappointed becomes a $175 stock, which brings me back to right now. Last night, I spoke to Mark, and he made it clear that we're in a similar situation. The country's in crisis. There are all sorts of companies trying to find their way through this difficult period. So when that happens, he stops thinking near-term and starts going big-game hunting. He urged me to remember the Great Recession when Salesforce gobbled up market share left and right. Consider me convinced. I think today's pullback represents a terrific buying opportunity. And if a stock goes even lower, buy more. All right, how about Costco? I'm a member. You might be a member. 55 million people are members. Okay, Rich Glanny. He's the amazing chief financial officer. He runs the conference call. He does it without emotion or any kind of flair. It's like dragnet, just the facts, man. So here are the facts Costco wants to be the company that comes out of this pandemic with a reputation for being the safest, most welcoming store on earth. That's why it spent $239 million to protect its associates and you, the customer, from COVID 19. I think it's worth every penny. This is a tremendous investment, throwing Costco's mask on policy for everyone in its stores, associates, as well as customers, along with its 16 feet, 16 foot wide aisles, perfect for social distancing. And I think it's become the place to take share worldwide. Even as we reopen on the economy, wouldn't you rather shop at a place where you're less likely to get sick? I mean, I don't know. It seems like a no brainer to me. So Costco bites the bullet. It pulls out of some uh, profitable areas like hearing aids. They dominate in that business. Food courts, uh, glasses, until they can figure out a, a better way to make it work, safer. It free samples, my favorite part of the experience. But it will bring them back. It's talking about that now, doing it in a safer fashion. That sets up for a barn burner second half. If you ask me, what should you do? Listen, I love a nice, clean story as much as the next guy. But confusing situations like Salesforce and Costco, they often make for the best long-term opportunities. And in both cases, history tells me that you've got to buy them when they're weak. I'm going to Tom in New York. Tom, Jim, Tom. long time, first time. Oh, excellent. Let me cut. Let me cut to the chase. With employees reper- returning to the workplace in the near future and several offices having to open seating plans, companies now have to purchase new office furniture or panels. I purchased SCS, MLHR, and KNL, and was thinking of investing more because of the expected change in the workspace.
1: I'm also looking at OGP and HNI. What do you recommend? I, I like that HNI. I,
3: the Herman Miller is fantastic. The steel case is good. But I need you to go listen to the Williams-Sonoma comps call last night about Laura Albers. Because that's the big theme of, of their company. And I need you to consider all those. Herman, I, I know the guys from uh, Herman Miller best. They are fantastic. Of course, that's the Aaron. And they're my uh, they're my pick. Uh, remember, they do have a higher end business. But I like your call. And you've done a lot of homework. And thank you for come, calling in. Let's go to Ryan in New York. Please, Ryan. Jimmy, 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 chill. He's got the will. He's got the way to help his fellow investors get through the day. Oh, man. Tweet me. Tweet me hard with that one,
5: partner. What's (laughs) going on? Hey, Jimmy. Uh, Not sure uh, how you maintain the energy to do what you do, but keep it up, brother. We love I love what
3: I do. I love it because they're detractors who are trying to stop me. And that's the best way to play. Morning, noon and night. They make they inspire me. The people who love me, they get me going. But the real people who inspire me are the detractors because they've never met any force like this. Let's go to work.
5: (laughs) My question, Jim, is in regards to your thoughts on Goldman Sachs, ticker symbol GS. The stock's been on a steady climb back up since late March, bouncing between the 170s and 180s all month. And then after the news, Berkshire slashing its positions in Goldman, the stock takes off like a rocket ship on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. You think Goldman might be following the Kramer COVID-19 index and investing accordingly? I'm going to have to say no
3: to that uh, because my ch- ch- charitable trust just trimmed some Goldman. It was too big a position. We bought a ton when Buffett was selling. Not, it's not clairvoyance. It's like the average down. Here's the problem. I don't like the financials, yeah, but I do like the Jimmy Chill references. And I think that little ditty at the top is going to become my theme song when I speak to my executive producer, Regina Gilgan, after the show. All right. It's simple. Salesforce and Costco are fabulous long-term opportunities. They've always been thrown at it for the quarter's five-minute weakness. Now, there's much more money, much more money, yes, including bad money ahead, including my exclusive with ELF Cosmetics. I call it ELF. As it begins a proxy battle in the face of the corona crisis, people have to do that now. I'm asking the CEO what's ahead. Then, it's a company whose platform supports tens of thousands of websites, including Kramer Faves, Stripe, Shopify, and the New York Times, not to mention Etsy. And you may never even have heard of it. Well, I'm going to reveal the name when I sit down with the CEO. You're going to like it. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with the chill man. One side effect of the pandemic is that there's been a lot less agitation from activist investors. I mean, normally we've got a ton of proxy fights right at this time of the year. Uh, this year, not so much. At least aside from ELF Beauty. Yes, the digital-focused value cosmetics company that we've had on the show before. Earlier this week, a smaller activist firm called Marathon Partners announced that they're nominating three directors for Elf's board. Uh, That's an eight-person board, and this one's real tough to handicap, frankly. On the one hand, the stock has been a significant long-term laggard. It's done next to nothing since it came public in 2016. But on the other hand, in the last year and a half, ELF has really gotten its act together. The stock's up nearly 100% since the beginning of 2019. And it's been thriving ever since. Wow, just last year, the company reported a fabulous quarter. It's because of a digital first brand, they're perfectly poised to handle the current environment. Now, I think they're doing a good job which is why I wanted to hear management side of the story before these activists got too far into this thing. So let's check in with Tarang Amin. He's the chairman and CEO of ELF Beauty. That's eyes, lips, face. You get a clear sense of how this company's doing and how he'll fend off these activists. Mr. Amin, welcome back to Mad
6: Money. Thank you for having me, Jim.
3: Well, I got to tell you, Tarang, first of all, it's good to see you and you look you look healthy and that means a lot. And your company's doing well. And that's what I'm trying to figure out about what this takeover battle is about, because you couldn't be doing better than Elf is doing. And yet they seem to want three people, which then to me would be a payload to owning your company. So uh, give me your side of things, because they seem to think that you're underperforming. But I look at all the rest of the industry. I think you're doing fine.
6: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we do feel great about how the company's doing. I think the last time we sat down together was in 2019. And really, this company has been around 16 years, and almost every single one of those years, we've had very strong growth. But in 2018, our company declined 2%. So I I do believe that that 2% was a real wake-up call for us to say, how do we get back to our roots and what we're capable of doing? So during that time, we basically put together five strategic imperatives that we've been executing against ever since. I'm proud of the fact that we've had five consecutive quarters of the year-on-year sales growth, Uh, We've been taking major market share. We're the only brand in the top five that's growing share right now. And as you mentioned, our total shareholder return since January of 2019 has been great. So I love the path that we're on as a company.
3: Now, I know uh, in your conference call, you did mention that, look, The four weeks ending April 18th, we saw pretty significant declines in the category and in health. But, I mean, that's everybody. One of the things that really bothered me about what these three, they want the three people on the board, is that this is a a, a worldwide calamity. It isn't like something that happened to you.
6: Well, that's right. And I think, you know, certainly in the first number of weeks of COVID-19, we saw the category contract quite a bit, and we were not immune to that. Yet in the latest data, in the last four weeks ending mid Uh, Mid May, uh, our consumption was up 11% in a down category. So I think it really speaks to our fundamental value proposition and our digital engagement, and really our ability to continue to execute.
3: At the same time, you you are uh, very big and getting even bigger in in the world's largest retailer in Walmart. Uh, I see you everywhere in Target. I mean, this seems to be a tremendous time of expansion for your company.
6: Well, it is. And, I, you know, I think our we have our top two customers in terms of Target and Walmart are both doing well. Our business with them is really strong, in fact, so strong that Walmart uh, later this fall will be expanding even more space on Elf, as will Ulta Beauty. And so we feel really great. And a lot of that has to do with the strategic imperatives we put in place, our partnership with them and our fundamental value equation and how well it's been doing. We're the most productive brand that Target and Walmart carry, and we mean to keep it that way.
3: Now, I was watching uh, a TikTok video of uh, famous people putting on your makeup. Uh, can you do that again? There was something, I mean, the number of views. And we're talking about like billions of views. That seemed like quite a creative thing to do.
6: Well, I think it goes back to our roots. I mean, we're a digital disruptor. People thought we're crazy 16 years ago to sell cosmetics over the Internet for $1 each. So we're always looking for different ways of engaging our consumers. You and I have talked in the past about the selfie generation and the millennials, and you know we appeal really strongly to them. Well, I'd tell you, the Gen Z generation is a TikTok generation. So when we start, decided to do something on TikTok, we decided to do something very different. We created our own eyes, face, hashtag challenge, creating our own music track. And you're right, it has been an incredible viral sensation. There's now over 5.4 billion views, over 3.5 million videos. And I think it really talks about our ability of really connecting with a generation that loves this brand.
3: Now, one of the things that's happening recently is I've had to do a couple of speeches, and I was also at uh, two Zoom uh, parties, okay? At one, a sad one, one, a happy one, and I do a Zoom video with my kids every Sunday, okay? And what I've discovered, sir, is something that Fabrizio Freda from uh, Estee Lauder told me, which is that you better believe that you need makeup. It's not just the selfie generation. It's the Zoomy generation. Are you finding as we get deeper and deeper in Zoomy that people realize they don't look as good as they'd like to? Plus, they look at themselves. I think it is. I don't go on it without makeup. Now, that's because I'm vain but and older. <laughs> Uh, but I don't take my makeup off when I go home if I'm on a Zoom. It, it, it's really,
6: you need makeup for Zoom. Well, you definitely need makeup, not only for Zoom, for many occasions. And the great thing about us is we have these products that are prestige quality, at these incredible values. So a great product for kind of the Zoom's generation is our poreless putty primer. And it's something we can uniquely do. It's not only the number one primer in the U.S., but it's now the number one face product uh, in, the, in the face category in the U.S. And the reason why is our ability to create these products, our poreless putty primer, is $8. The next best product to it is a prestige item for $52. And not only is poreless putty primer great for when you're on Zoom, but we've been getting these great notes from nurses that say, you know, well, they're afraid with putting their mask on to put makeup and soil the mask poreless putty primers save their face. And so our strength and complexion in many of these core categories, including skincare, is really doing great things for our business and, more importantly, for consumers.
3: Well, I, you know, my, my wife has it. We have it in our drawer, It's just something that's, you know, you're pretty prevalent. I, I don't know what these uh, proxy guys want, but I, I think you've come through it great. And that's just my view. But uh, one, one uh, husband of someone who uses it and I want to thank Tarang Amin, the chairman and CEO of ELF Beauty. Uh, congratulations, sir. I think that you're doing everything right in a very tough environment. Thank you very much. All right. And let me tell you guys, I think that this is one where you can win either way. And here's a sneak peek at what my great friend Sarah Eisen has coming up in markets and turmoil at 7 p.m. on CBC. Man, Money's back after the break.
4: Tonight at 7 p.m., the nation's savings rate hits an all-time high as Americans stockpile their cash. At what point does that hit the economy? Plus, the Alabama mayor that's trying to battle a health crisis as his city becomes a hotspot for the virus. And three business owners on their troubles, their hopes, and their path forward. All tonight at 7 p.m.
3: Mind, right? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski. Damn The lightning round comes right to start with Bobby in Florida. Bobby.
4: Booyah from hot, sunny, and reopening Florida, Mr. Grammy.
3: We need this. Our economy's been shut down too long. Let's get it rolling. What's happening? HTGC.
4: Hercules Capital. Yeah, what do and you
3: they, think? I, it's an interesting, it's like a venture capital fund, but we don't really know what they own. If they came on the show, though, we would, and then I'd feel much better about it. How about we go to Mark in New York. Mark. Kramer, how about a
5: big Bronx booyah, my friend? Okay. And a booyah to my son Ryan that turns 11 today. Help me out, I got Calaris. I picked it up at $6. It's
1: been bouncing around between 7 and 8 like buy more uh, nah,
3: foot- it, 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 footwear. Uh, footwear is right in the crosshairs of the whole world. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take our. You know, it's gonna be a Steve Miller situation. It's take the money and run situation. Let's go to Richard in Virginia. Richard. Hey Jim,
2: First-time caller.
3: Third time
1: caller. Third time. Nine years ago, I bought Cognex PG NX for about. I love years. Cognex.
3: Uh, Rockwell, uh, Rockwell. And Cognizant. These are companies that actually make things here. They should be celebrated. Now I'm going to Georgia, Michigan. George!
5: Booyah, Jimmy Chill, first Yo. time caller
1: and action alert bus member from Central Michigan, man. Just want to say thank you for all your help there, and you has been doing a great job. Oh, thank you. I bought this stock at $40 and I haven't heard much news about it. As more people start to get together and hopefully bars like yours start to reopen, is bought a stock you like, B-U-D. I actually like Constellation more. I was talking
3: to my writing partner, Matt Horween. Got down to a level where you got that Constellation uh, with owning a stake in, in Canopy, which got crushed today. I prefer that one. Let's go to Chris in New Jersey. Chris.
1: Booyah, Jim. Booyah. a Villanova graduate here looking to uh, invest in my savings that I'm you know, not spending right now. All, I right. All right. I
3: think Coach would like that. I think Coach would figure that out would be in favor of that.
1: <laughs> so I'm looking at NEO Limited, a Chinese electric car manufacturer. Oh, man.
3: car. No, no. I mean, Tesla. Uh, no, NEO. No, NEO. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, no, it's not right. It's, it, you deserve better than that. You should treat yourself better. Don't do that. You have to buy a biotech. Buy some general, Buy one share. Buy a fractional share. Let's go to Jim in New York. Jim. Booyah, Jim, and thanks for taking my call. Of course
1: i got a um, question regarding Nobel Energy, which I had bought a couple of years ago. had a good dividend and the stock was relatively stably priced. Uh, I took my eye off the ball a little bit as oil tanked. Unfortunately, um, uh, the dividend went up a little bit, yeah. so I, kept, I held well. on to it as the yield increased. So um,
3: just last month I bought a, I bought some more as for, for dollar cost averaging. Okay. So uh, well, no- Nobel's a, a good company and has some really good assets. But in the end, what does it do? It's an oil. Now, EOG thinks that oil's bottom. So, I mean, if you want to run Noble up for a couple more bucks, but this used to be one of the best-run companies in America, and it no longer is. And I, re- I prefer to see you in something that's got great growth. I need to go to Calvin in Kentucky. Calvin.
1: Booyah, Professor Kramer. How are you doing? Ah,
3: thank you for giving me tenure. What's going on?
1: <laughs> my question is for Flatland, ticker FRO. Oh, I'm
3: John Fredrickson. Oh, my God. Okay, listen. This is a trading vehicle. Okay, it's a trading vehicle. It goes in and out and up and down. Those are not my style. I'm looking for investments, not trading vehicles. I would rather see you in, if you want oil, very large crude, it's Chevron. That's an investment. Mike Worth, always welcome on the show. Never skimped on the dividend. Great operator. Visionary. Ryan in Mississippi Ryan.
1: Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Long time listener. First time caller. Okay. Shout out to my buddy. Hunter, tell me about this awesome show. Look, I have a stock that's up a hundred percent in the past month, and with sports starting to slowly come back, what do you think about DraftKings?
3: Jason, Jason Robins, I was at the Super Bowl with him, uh, is a terrific guy, and this DraftKings is a representation of the market of the of sports coming back. I am not going to go against this guy. I think this guy's got a business model to beat the band. I am with the DraftKings rally. That's right. I'm with it, and that lends them inclusion of the lightning round.
4: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: We've heard from tech CEO after tech CEO explaining it in the last two months. We've seen multiple years' worth of digitization as the shelter-in-place economy pushed nearly all commerce online. It's been phenomenal for what are known as the content delivery networks. These are basically software companies that make sure the applications you use run smoothly, whether you're streaming media or playing video games or running mission-critical apps for work. During the lockdown, when Internet traffic surged, this whole industry became more important than ever. Now, we've talked about Akamai, of Cloudflare, but tonight... I got one for you with a red hot stock that you have asked about, and it's called Fastly. Their platform supports tens of thousands of websites, including, get this, Stripe, Shopify, you know, we love them, Pinterest, Vimeo, the New York Times, Slack, among many others. How good is this business? Well, Fastly reported earlier this month, the company delivered a gigantic sales and earnings beat, and even better, management substantially raised their full year forecast. Who else has done that? And that's a big reason for the stock now being 115 percent for the year. And it's quadrupled from the bottom in late March. But with the economy reopening, can this thing maintain its momentum? I don't know. The momentum is here. But let's see. Let's take a closer look with Joshua Bixby. He's the CEO of Fastly. Learn more about his company. and incredible recent
1: success, Mr. Bixby, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, sir. Long time listener. First time caller. It's a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Joshua, thank you so much. You don't know what that means a
3: great deal to us. Uh, your company—we've been asked about it. Uh, the growth here is extraordinary. Even more important, the quality of your customers—they demand excellence. All of them depend on it, and they go to Fastly. How
1: come? We're humbled by our customers, Jim, and, and you know, between us, it's uh, it's an honor to serve them. I, you know, I think that you hit on it earlier. We we are compressing this digital transformation period now, but it's not like digital transformation hasn't been part of our lives for a long time. And I think the key to understanding this relationship is that innovators are going through this this process. And this process is we have to transform ourselves. And what that means is first instrumenting what's happening on the web and then experimenting. And really what's happening, you've seen this transformation. It's not just just us, we're seeing it with Twilio, we're seeing it with Datadog, we're seeing it with Slack, is that developers are being empowered as the new decision makers and organizations because they're the ones who are building differentiation. And so we are very honored to stand behind the best of the web and to, as you said, secure and deliver that. And the reason that we're able to do that is because we built a platform built by developers for developers. So at the moment that inspiration strikes, in examples like you talked about the New York Times, they are able to come onto our platform, sign up with no friction, start using the product And the product allows them to bring their code, the code that they write, to our edges in order to deliver the best and the most secure performance. So it's really about developers and innovators. And I think this trend is not, you know, it's not just we're not just seeing it with us. We're seeing it across the market. Okay, so
3: if uh, I'm ai actually use every single one of your customers I I use. How would I know that I'm that it's a Fastly platform versus anybody else?
1: Well, we, we really truly stand behind the best of the web. So, you know, there are technical tools that will allow you to, to see that, but we really stand behind what they do and make their experience fast. So I guess I would tell you if the experience is fast and you find that even on busy times, these sites are performing, if they're innovators, there's a real good chance they're on our platform. And I think what we're seeing right now in this, in this very strange, very difficult time, is that organizations that haven't been sort of digital transformation first They're looking up at the leaders. And between you and me, what they're finding is those leaders are on us. Um, And that's a that's a special moment for us. And I think, as you said, leading to some success in in what's in what is a really challenging time for us and and our communities. Now,
3: uh, what's it like to come in in February right before? What's it
1: like you landed the CEO
3: job and literally what in three weeks, the world changed?
1: Yeah, I, you know, one of the beauty, one of the really advantageous parts of my role is for the last seven years, I've been building Fastly along with Fastly's founder, Archer Bergman, and the executive team. So I've been in the room where it's happened for a long time. And I don't, you know, I've never felt and certainly don't feel right now that this is a one person job to lead a company that's growing this fast and is dealing with this much change. So, you know, I, I, I would tell you that none of us could have predicted the pandemic, uh, certainly none of us wish this upon ourselves, but I think from a leadership perspective, in these times of change, you know, you really have the ability to take action. So for example, we, you know, on March 1st, which is a lot earlier than a lot of other companies, mm-hmm. we closed all our offices, we stopped travel. We wanted to protect our people in our communities. We saw this coming because the innovators are on our platform and we have such a global view. We have this unique, almost crystal ball into what the future looks like. And, You know, so we were able to see that these lockdowns were changing the the entire fabric of the Internet. And so we were able, for example, to start ensuring that we had the resources because we consider ourselves a mission critical core infrastructure. And therefore, we knew we had to be ready. We also, you know, made the decision to, you know, dramatically increase our giving program, because given that we're strong, we want to make sure we can give. So we, you know, increased that to 50 million dollars a year to nonprofits and organizations in need. And I, and I think it's important for all of us, you know, in, a, in with our corporate, um, the corporate power that we have to be giving back at this time too. So it's been, it's been, uh, it's been hard and, and, you know, amazing. Um, but these are difficult times. And, you know, I live in a community probably like you, which has been devastated. Friends and family are out of work and their businesses are in peril. And so all at that same time, our people are suffering through the same things. Thankfully, me my family and, you know, our, our company um, is doing well and healthy, but it's 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 been trying.
3: Well, look, I can tell you you're, you're coming through it. Great. And I want you to come back on the show next time. We, we have to run, unfortunately, and talk about the digital divide between rich and poor, which is just another thing that is just sad, sad, sad. But you are doing a great job. And I want to thank you, Joshua Bixby, CEO of Fastly, for coming on Mad Money. First time and I hope many times. you, sir. Stay with Craig. Go with safety, okay? This is not the kind of market where you're going to get the V, no matter what people say. Like says, was always a bull market. Somewhere. I'm sorry, fine. Just for you, right here on May of Money, I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.